Good morning. Happy Easter. It is so great to see you. From up here, you all look like an Easter basket, like full of happy eggs. Congratulations. You look lovely. And you look ready for the bounce house. So uh, moms and dads, grandparents especially, no throwing elbows in the bounce house, okay? We're going to try to keep you under control. We have some bounce house bouncers out there. You will get ejected. Grandma, watch the, shirt, watch the elbows. Hey, so for those of you who are new here, uh, my name is Alex, and we are delighted to be a part of your Easter celebration. And what we're all about here at Chatham Community Church is really straightforward, connecting. Connecting people to God, connecting people to each other, so together we can engage our world for good. We hope you see and experience a little bit of all those things here this morning, whether you're in person or online. And if you're home online, you're probably hanging out in your Easter jammies, which I think should be a thing. Like Christmas jammies needs Easter jammies, right? So if that's not a thing, some of you can go invest some Easter jammies for next year. Home and Easter jammies, we're so glad you're with us as well. Happy, happy Easter. Today we're talking about invitations because the right invitation at the right time can change your life, right? To get invited to uh, take a job or take a promotion, to go to a, a school, invited to get married, invited to try something new. The right invitation at the right time could totally change your life. The invitation today is to step into the Easter resurrection story because here's the thing you got a story i have a story hopefully you have some ups guaranteed plenty of downs and no guarantees of happily ever after right but for 2,000 years what people have found all personalities all kinds of baggage all kinds of trauma all kinds of mistakes that they have made almost every culture almost every language people all over the globe have found that by taking their story and joining it with the jesus resurrection story introduces a new power a new grace, a new redemption. Grace and mercy start to define our lives in new ways, guaranteed, happily ever after, forever and ever and ever. Amen. And today, whether you're a church kind of person every Sunday, or this is your once a year check-in, or this is your first time ever in a church setting, the invitation is to step into this grand story of hope and redemption. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how everyone loves a good redemption story, right? We all love a good redemption story. Uh, the Harry Potter series, one of the best-selling series really of all time, in part because it's a giant redemption story, right? you got a kid living underneath the steps who saves the world, right? The kid in the margins who saves the world from all kinds of evil. Everyone loves a good redemption story, but here's the catch. No one wants to actually be in a redemption story. You don't want to be in a redemption story, right? A redemption story is when something terrible happens. Trauma, pain, heartbreak, sometimes something terrible you did. Sometimes something terrible someone else did. Sometimes it's just circumstances. And then what happens is you undergo a quest, a long, arduous quest, taking you places you would rather not go, dealing with old baggage, sometimes dealing with old demons, voices in your head. You have to overcome all the challenges. And in the course of that journey, you're transformed. Your character is transformed to where you become a stronger, more courageous wiser more settled person everyone loves a good redemption story but don't know one want to be in a redemption story it's a lot of work so i got some bad news and some good news for you here on easter sunday the bad news is you already need a redemption story you got pain trauma sorrow stuff happened to you things that you have done that you regret and wish you hadn't done you already need a redemption story and not just you the person next to you does too turn to your neighbor say neighbor Turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor, you need a redemption story. Some of you like doing that a little too much. Pipe down, calm down. They don't need it more than you need it, okay? I'm not saying that they need it worse than you. We just all need a redemption story. And not just you, 
not just the person next to you. My friends, listen, the whole world needs a redemption story. We all have a sense the world could be a better place, don't we? Isn't that weird? Why do we all know the world could be a better place? We've never seen a better place. We just know it could be. You need a redemption story. The whole world needs a redemption story. We don't want to be in one, but here we are already. And here's what I want to propose to you. What I want to propose to you is whether you're aware of it or not, you're already trying to write your own redemption story in your own strength. Story a number of years ago about a guy who grew up in a really, really like, kind of verbally abusive home. His dad was really hard on him. You'll never amount to much. I'll never be proud of you. Like, like just all the horrible things that you might see in a movie, right, uh, that maybe some of you heard growing up as well. All this stuff. So the kid grows up, and the kid's actually freakishly gifted. He's an entrepreneur, starts a business. The business just blows up. And he, he convinces his board uh, over the years, eventually, to build a giant corporate headquarters. And so he builds this giant cor corporate headquarters, but it's too much, it's too big. The, the company starts to sink, and there's all this conflict between him and the board. Eventually, the board fires him. He goes out, starts another company. It blows up too, all kinds of growth, spectacular. He convinces his board again to build a giant headquarters. It's too much, it's too big, they can't afford it. The company starts to go down, the board fires him. Third company does the exact same thing. And as the company is going down, one of his board members comes alongside him and says, you've done this now three different companies. Why do you keep doing this? What are you trying to prove? You know what he's trying to prove? That he can write his own redemption story. That he is valuable. He is lovable. He is important. He's trying to prove that to his dad and maybe to himself, right? That he can, his story can be redeemed. It's not going to look like that for everyone, obviously. But you've got a story that you've been trying to write to prove that you're valuable, lovable, worthwhile. You've got a story that you're trying to prove. And the problem is, when we try to write our own redemption stories, they all fall short, and they almost always have unintended consequences, just like that entrepreneur. But we still need a redemption story. All of us looking for and need a redemption story. So there's three redemption story questions we got to ask here this morning. Redemption story question number one, is redemption possible for you individually? No matter what's happened to you, is redemption possible? And no matter what you have done to, to perpetuate, participate in the mess that is the world, is redemption possible for each of us individually, no matter what you've done? Question number two. Is there a redemption that would scale? Like scale globally, not just for each of us individually. Is there a redemption story big enough, grand enough to redeem the whole world? Because all of us have a sense the world could be a better place than it is. Is there a redemption story that could scale and if the answer to question one and question number two is yes affirmative there is a redemption story big enough particular enough to be each one of us in the places where we need redemption and if there's a story big enough and grand enough that could redeem not just each of us individually but could gather up the whole world then question number three is will you choose the right story that could lead to your redemption or will you miss it because there's all kinds of redemption stories on offer out there many most of them all of them Overpromise, underdeliver, all kinds of redemption stories out there. There is one grand redemption story that God has written in the blood of His Son Jesus that we celebrate here this morning. And that story is grand enough, powerful enough, beautiful enough, and particular enough to wade into whatever your mess is. Gather it all up and turn it into something beautiful 
and good. And the invitation this morning is to receive a redemption story. Not one that you write out of all your striving, all your efforts, all your energy to try to prove that you're valuable, important, lovable, you're going to be safe and okay. Not one that you write. It's one written by grace and mercy, driven by a love of a God who is so crazy about you, he put on flesh to write and introduce a new redemption story into the world. The invitation this morning is to step into that grand redemption story. The uh, resurrection account that Duncan just read for us starts with two heartbroken women going to the tomb in Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Okay, so first off, bummer about being named the other Mary. For 2,000 years, she's only been the other Mary, right? Such a bummer to be named Mary in the, old, in the New Testament because there's so many Marys running around. So, all right, but, but let's look at the story here. Put, put yourself in these two women's shoes, right? Like, they've just witnessed the brutal execution of um, a, a man they love. They'd followed uh, many of them for a couple of years. All the rest of Jesus' followers are off. They're in a fog. They're exhausted. They're, they're tired. They're, they're confused. They're heartbroken. Everyone else, the disciples too, they're all out there doing their thing. But you know what? They, and these women are too. These women are also tired, exhausted, and confused. But you know what they're doing? They're showing up. In the other gospel accounts, we, we are told that they're coming to embalm Jesus' body to do the finishing touches on his burial. So these two women are coming with heavy hearts, heartbreaking hearts, heartbroken hearts, to do small, kind of thankless work that most people never note or acknowledge. And it's to these two women showing up in the midst of their heartbreak and their struggle that Jesus shows himself first. My friends, a, a word to you, those of you spring 2023 who are doing small, heartbreaking, sometimes thankless, sometimes tedious work. The Lord sees you. The Lord knows you. If you're caring for someone who's sick, caring for someone who's aging, if you're caring for kids, if you're in a job that sort of is overlooked and not many people celebrate or think it's very important, if you're doing that work faithfully, you're the kind of person Jesus loves to show himself to. My prayer is that you would have eyes to see him, ears to hear him inviting you to step into his resurrection story. He sees you, he delights in you. Those are the kind of people that the Lord loves to show himself to, step into his story. Now, when the two women get there, angel comes down, the stones rolled away, the guards are frozen with fear, and here's how that story goes, right, that Duncan read for us. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. <laughs> Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. When I was a little kid, I had a very active imagination. I had a, I had a lot of active dreams, and I had uh, a lot of nightmares. And at one point, I was on seven years old, I had this recurring dream where I was being chased by the purple fox. Don't know where a purple fox came from? I'm sticking with it. Just what happened, okay? So I had this recurring dream night after night after night where I'm being chased by a purple fox who was always chasing after me. And so I would wake up in the night screaming, and my poor father was waking up night after night after night 
trying to help me navigate what do I do with the purple fox. And almost every night he came up with some sort of new, like, can we trap him? Can we trick him? He was trying to coach me in my dreams how to deal with the purple fox. Now, the problem was every time I went back to the dream and tried to do the thing to catch the purple fox, the purple fox always outsmarted me. Story of my life. So my poor dad, after like several nights of this, he's exhausted, not getting any sleep. At one point, my poor dad, in desperation, has no more ideas for how to trap or trick the purple fox. And so he says to me, what if you try to make friends with a purple fox? Never would have thought of that on my own. Thanks, Dad. So I go back to sleep. I introduce myself to the purple fox. Purple fox says, hello, nice to meet you. He goes away. Nightmare's over. Bless the Lord. My dad got some more sleep. The angel and then Jesus himself appear to two women who have been living a nightmare. And they declare, nightmare over. Not just over, like reversed. Roll it all the way back. It happened. It was real. Something more real has happened. God has raised Jesus from the dead. And that reality puts the nightmare back in its little spot where it belongs. Something more real has happened. My friends, why should you bother to step into the Easter story? You already got a story. You got lots going on. Some of you don't care about this at all. We're so, so glad you're here. Here's why you should step into the Easter story. Because you've already got a story. Hopefully you have some ups. Guaranteed plenty of downs. But not every down is created equal, right? Some downs are nightmares. Some seasons of your life... You don't ever want to think about it again. You just want to get through it, survive in advance, and keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Some parts of your life are nightmares. And the invitation is to step, step into something that's more real. Easter is this new power God has unleashed into the, into the earth so that the nightmare no longer has the last word over you or over me anymore. That something more real than even death might come to set it in place. When you're caught up in a dream that's a nightmare, right? When you're in the middle of the night, you're in a nightmare, you wake up. The thing that helps you to settle back down is, one, there's a larger reality. It's not real. It's not the thing that defines you, right? That thing is no longer the truest thing. There's a larger reality. And sometimes it helps when the sun rises, right? Reality plus sunrise equals nightmare put back in its place. Easter Sunday is the story of reality dawning. The sun has risen and the nightmare is put back in its place. Death, sin, Heartbreak, loss, no longer has the last word over us. The Lord of the universe does. In biblical language, sin is the nightmare, right? Sin is just broken relationship that we've rebelled against God. We hurt, against, we hurt each other. We've cut ourselves off from the source of life. And that sin has touched everything. God originally created everything good, 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 and very good. Everything was good. That's why we know there's a better world possible because it was better in the beginning. And then sin entered, sin entered in, and it's touched and corrupted everything. Not that everything is as bad as it could be. Nothing is as good and beautiful as it was intended to be. And so humans, we are both sinned against, and we sin in response. We both get sinned against and hurt all the time, and then we also participate in the madness. There's nothing so good and beautiful that humans have not found a way to ruin it. It's like one of our gifts, right? And so here's the redemption story that God's writing. He puts on flesh, becomes a human, becomes a man. To roll back sin in the flesh that all things might be well one day. To write a redemption story in blood. To renew and restore things. To roll back that nightmare. To put it back in its place. It's real. Something more real now reigns and rules over the earth. And the redemption story of that nightmare may or may not happen in this life. 
Some people, it's happening right here in our church right now, some people have really, really dark, hard seasons of their lives. And when they turn their lives over to the Lord, when they put the resurrection story at the center of their lives, it introduces a redemption where that part of their lives is totally turned upside down. Like, the thing that was the worst part of their lives is now their beauty and their strength, and they offer it to people around them, and they're generous with talking to other people, helping them through. Sometimes that happens, not always. What always happens when you put the resurrection story at the center of your life, when you put the redemption story of Jesus at the center of your life, it takes away sin, shame, guilt, and pride, and replaces it with faith, hope, love, wisdom, courage. That's the life you were made for. That's the life you want to live. The redemption story of Jesus changes us into different human beings. Your worst nightmares, your dumbest mistakes, the worst things ever happened to you, worst things ever done to you, no longer define you. Grace does. Resurrection does. Hope wins. That's the promise of Easter Sunday morning. My friends, all kinds of smaller, shallower redemption stories out there. All kinds of smaller, shallower redemption stories out there. Go build a career. Go make a name for yourself. Go make the perfect family. Go do this thing. Kind of overcome, overcome, overcome. That's not bad things, but they all fall short. You cannot redeem yourself. It is a story that comes from above, written in grace, not your striving and effort. Written in love, because there's a God in the heaven who loves you so, so much, he doesn't want to see you stuck in a story that's not redeemed. So he comes to re redeem your story and my story for us, and ultimately to redeem the whole world. The invitation in just a few minutes is can you step into that Easter redemption story. So you got Mary and the poor other Mary who are going to the tomb. And when they get there, the angel appears, rolls away the stone, and, uh, it, and it's like this crazy, dizzyingly wonderful event. And as an aside, in the ancient world, if you were making this up, okay, so if Matthew was just making this up, actually all four gospel accounts have this exact same thing. If you're making this up, you would not have women be the first ones to witness it because women's testimony was not permitted in the court of law in the first century Jewish court system. So you wouldn't make up that women were the first ones to witness it because their witness was not sort of received or accepted in the, in the old ancient world. The only reason why you would write that women were the first ones to see the resurrected Jesus is because it actually happened. That's why. So the angel and the Lord both appear to these two women. And they give them sort of roughly the same set of instructions just to kind of make sure it's all clear, right? So they get three different verbs, three different commands to help them step into the story. What are they going to do next? How are they going to enter into this crazy story of resurrection? Here's how they're going to step into it. They get three verbs. Do not be afraid. Come and see and go. Do not be afraid. Come and see and go. These are three ways that you and I can step into the story as well. First of all, do not be afraid. Anytime an angel appears in the scriptures, the first things they always say is, do not be afraid. Why? Because they're afraid. You see, if you saw an angel, you'd be afraid too. It's not such an easy command to obey in the first century when you see an angel. It's not such an easy command to obey when you're in the 21st century and you're caught up in a total pandemic of anxiety. Anyone notice how anxious we all are right now? Like, we're all, like, redlining. Like, we're all, like, RPM, 7,000. We're, we're exhausting ourselves as a culture, as a nation. We're totally spun up over all these things. Now, fear and anxiety can be really good, especially if you're responding to a threat, right? So if you're hiking in the Himalayas, you know, as you do, <laughs> and you happen to see a Yeti tracking you, 
run from the Yeti. That's good. Fear incites running. That's a good thing. You should run from anything. Real threats require fear. That's a good thing. Anxiety is also a sign that you're trying to control something that you like to control but you can't get to. Some of us get so anxious about the government or about the economy because you can't control or influence the government or the economy. You would like to. I'm sure we'd all be much better off if you were in charge. You can't control it. You can't influence it. So you watch and perseverate over table news nonstop and you get anxious about it because there's something that I'd like to control, I'd like to influence, but I can't. Fear and anxiety, natural good responses to genuine threat. My friends, you were not made to run on fear and anxiety 24-7. It is exhausting. And when fear and anxiety are running your life, here's what happens. It almost always leads you. When, it's always, when, when fear and anxiety is driving the bus, it almost always leads you to the land of regret. You're going to do something or not do something and regret it because you're hijacked by fear and anxiety. You're going to overreact to something because you're hijacked by fear and anxiety. Jesus talked about how, how, uh, how, how corrupting, how difficult it was to, to live a life of faith with, with fear, how much it could really hurt us and hurt our, our spiritual lives. He told a story about a farmer, goes out, sowed a bunch of seeds, sowed a bunch of seeds, and some of those seeds get choked out by thorns, and then he interprets the thorns this way. He says, the thorns are the worries of this life, the seedfulness of wealth. Choke out the word, choke out the good news, making it unfruitful. My friends, fear will keep you from living a life-giving, fruitful, resurrection story. It will cut you off from the source of life. And so my friends, here's my question. What are you anxious about? What are you fearful about today? What's got you on that high rev? What are the things that trigger you into that space of anxiety, worry, fear? Can you name what those things are? Here's the deal. You put those fears at the center of your life. No redemption story there. Just the land of regret. And so Jesus and the angel both invite the women into the redemption story where they're invited into sharing in and stepping into his non-anxious, do not be afraid presence. There's a non-anxious presence in Jesus, a do not be afraid presence in Jesus to come along the way. And along with that command is, a, is the power and the presence to back it up. Not just don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It's like don't think about purple cows. It doesn't work. Don't be afraid, but listen, the whole word is, I am here. Trust me. I am with you. Peace to you. You don't have to be afraid anymore. The resurrected king is with you. He is for you. He loves you. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. In the end, he will make all things new, including you. Jesus has got this. Peace to you. He is with you. Do not be afraid. Many years ago, I read about a study about a monkey in a cage subjected to all these, like, stressors, lights and sirens and whistles, and the poor monkey got so, super stressed out. And so they, they measured the monkey's stress level at that point, right? Heartbeat and blood pressure and cortisol levels, right, so all through the roof. And then what they did was they put a second monkey in the cage with that monkey, a second monkey in the cage, exact same lights, stressors, buzzers, whistles, and then they measured the monkey's stress level. The monkey's stress level was cut in half. Moral of that story, you need a monkey in the cage with you. <laughs> the right monkey, because a bad monkey smells and tells bad jokes and stinky, all that kind of stuff. You don't want the wrong monkey. But the right presence in the midst of all the stressors of this world, the right presence with you changes everything. Jesus declares, 
I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am here for you. I am with you. You put my resurrection presence at the center of your life. And just keep coming back to the, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid anymore. The Lord is with you. These friends. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. And then the angel says to the women at the tomb, come and see. That's an invitation from the angel who has rolled away the stone specifically just so they could come and see that the tomb is empty. That's one way we can step into the story. Now, of course, I can't bring you to the tomb where Jesus was laid, but here's what I can do. I can invite you to come and see a community where redemption and resurrection power is at work right here, right now in the seats around you. Listen, church is full of people. You know what people are? Messy. Not you, of course. You're perfect. Everyone else, though. It's messy. People are messy. So we're, we're a church full of people, and people are not perfect, and some people, like, smell weird, and some people tell bad jokes, all those sort of things. But here's the deal. If you have no idea what the resurrection, redemption story looks like, come and see. This is a community full of people where this is actually happening in real life, real time, right here, right now. Right now, there's a, there's a person who's been battling addiction in his life for decades. For decades. A year ago, he didn't care about Jesus, didn't care about the resurrection, wasn't looking for redemption. In the last six months, he has put the, the resurrection story at the center of his life. And this addiction that he's battled his entire adult life, you know what? Starting to go away. I don't know what to tell you. Except come and see. Got another story of a woman. Grew up in an abusive household. All her adult relationships, particularly marriages, have been abusive, abusive, abusive. And she is starting to put the resurrection story at the center of her life. And you know what she's learning? She's learning her name is not punching bag anymore. She's learning her name is beloved. She's learning to live out a story of re resurrection and redemption. She's learning to put up healthy boundaries and have a soft heart all at the same time. I don't know what to tell you, but you got to come and see it. It's happening. Got a man in our church who's been battling sickness for a long time. He's in his 80s, kind of his last days. I went, I went and visited him recently. I, I don't know what to tell you except for he's the most peaceful man I've ever met. Not afraid of death. He knows his life is in the hands of the resurrected king. He's trusting the Lord in this life all the way into the next. I don't know what to tell you, but you got to come and see it. It's happening right here, right now in our small little community. A couple years ago during COVID, another man who was living out, working out this redemption story, this resurrection story, while I was sitting around, like, in front of Zoom calls all day long, this guy in our church decided he wanted to start a new nonprofit. He grew up in Liberia, in his native Liberia, kids don't get access to computers, and he loves soccer, and he loves kids, so he's going to bring together soccer, computers, and his love for Liberia. He started a brand new nonprofit during a global pandemic overseas in Liberia called the Legacy Sports Academy. He's especially focusing on girls who get no training in his native Liberia on how to sort of use computers and grow in computer literacy. He has started a nonprofit during a global pandemic overseas for his native Liberia because he's a part of the redemption story and he's going to be an instrument of that redemption story in a place that he loves. I don't know what to tell you except it's happening right here in our small little community. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Next Sunday we're kicking off this new uh, seminar during the second service called Exploring Christianity, a place for people who got questions, got baggage, just confused, don't know what it means to pray, don't know what it means to have faith, don't know what it means to, don't really know what it means to sort of live out the faith in a way that's actually like authentic and real or beyond just kind of going through religious motions, come and see, it's a come and see space, all questions and all questioners are going to be welcomed during that seminar, second service, 10.30 starting next week, come and see, come and see, 
come and see. Some of you have been around for a while. You're, you're coming and seeing kind of like on the edge. But you don't know these stories because you don't really know the community yet. Come and see. Step in. Step in. Join a small group. Find a place to connect. Find a place to serve. Find your spot here in this per imperfect, beautiful, messy community to watch how resurrection and redemption power is being worked out. Right here, right now, in the chairs around you might be one of the stories that I just told. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Finally, go to Galilee. That's the last command. Both Jesus and the angel tell the women to tell the disciples if they want to meet the resurrected Jesus, they got to go to Galilee. Now, Galilee was 90 miles north of where they were in Jerusalem. Not an easy or simple trip. If you're walking or riding a mule, that is a painful trip. 90 miles, right? But in order for the disciples to experience resurrection, they're going to have to go someplace inconvenient and do something. Take a step of faith. And they're going to meet Jesus there. Some of you don't need to come and see. Some of you need to go to Galilee. Go to Galilee means doing something inconvenient to position you to meet the resurrected Jesus. Go to Galilee. Take a risk. Try something. Step out. See what the Lord might do. See how the Lord might show up. Because maybe you're not going to meet the Lord as we're singing songs and sending in messages like this. Some of you, the only way you're going to meet the risen king is if you go. Get out there. Serve someone. Take a risk. Share your faith with a a fellow student, a co-worker, a neighbor, lead a Bible study or a small group. Some of you just coming here as part of that, come and see, like, this isn't comfortable for you. This isn't convenient for you. This is hard for you. So, so glad you're here. You're welcome. Come in, come in. Come to Galilee. Come and see the resurrected king might meet you here. Serving is one of the key ways we go to Galilee. Just like the women serving Jesus at, at the tomb is where he met the re they met the resurrected king. So, too, as you serve... You get to meet the resurrected Jesus in different kinds of ways. As Ernie said a couple weeks ago, April 30th, a couple weeks, instead of our normal Sunday morning worship, we're going to serve in the community. We've done this for 15 years, poured out thousands and thousands and thousands of man and woman hours into the community and tens of thousands of dollars to make Chatham County a more beautiful, more faithful place. Come and see. Come and see. Join us as we go and serve. Is there a go to Galilee calling that the Lord's putting on your life? in order for you to meet him along the way. Don't be afraid. Come and see. Go. Go to Galilee. Go someplace not convenient or comfortable. These are a couple ways that we can step into this magnificent redemption story that God has written in the blood of his son, Jesus. That's, how, that's, where, we're, that's where we land as we go to our wildly important take-home. Why bother? Why bother with Easter? Why is this the most important day in human history? Because Easter is finally the one redemption story that can gather up every single individual redemption story. Your story and your story and your story. And knit them all into something beautiful and whole. And not just us individually. Big enough that at the end of all things, he will declare and sing out over the world, Behold, I'm making all things new. The whole world new. Step into that beautiful redemption, resurrection story. Because... Everyone loves a good redemption story, but no one actually wants to be in a redemption story. But the bad news is, you are already in need of a redemption story. And the good news is, God has written one for you, full of grace, mercy, truth, and most of all, his magnificent love. That first step is a step of faith. Step into faith. A step of faith. Saying, I, will, I will put myself into this flow, into this story. I'm willing to put the resurrected Jesus at the center of my life and sort of walk this out, live this out. That story has a flow, has an arc, it has, a, has plot lines, it has boundaries to it. There are things that are outside the realm of that story that are not good, that God says that is not what we're about. There is, a, 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 there is wisdom here, there is power here, there is love here that can gather up every single story and redeem every single story. Take that step of faith. For some of you today, that's the step you need to take. To say, I'm not putting my faith in myself to write my own redemption story anymore. 
I'm not putting my faith in my money or my career, my neighbors, my coworkers, my colleagues, my grades to make me feel good about myself, to feel like I'm valuable, worthwhile, loved. I'm going to receive this redemption story from a God who loves me. I'm going to receive it and learn to walk in it by faith. Step into that story by faith. Others of you, the next step is going to be to step into serving. Step into serving in some way, shape, or form. When we serve, it unselfs us, right? We put somebody else, someone else's needs or some other need at the center of our lives versus just me and myself and I. And sometimes when I unself myself, when I get out of the way, I see Jesus. In a way, maybe he was always there, just didn't have eyes to see him. I was too hung up on my own stuff. So stepping into serving, Chatham serves is one of the ways that might look in a couple of weeks. It's not the only way, obviously. Is there a place where God would send you to go and serve? And then finally, come and see. The invitation to step into community. For some of you, church is not a part of your life. I understand. There's all kinds of reasons why that might be true. Some of you just got bored with it, or some of you have baggage and challenges with it. All I got to say is the only way you're going to see the redemption story worked out around you is if you step into community where it's being worked out around you. Others of you, you've been around for a while, but maybe you've been hanging out on the edge and not really fully in. I want to invite you to take a step in. Come and see. Come and see. Step into the resurrection community. I'll give you a chance to respond to one of those things here as we close out the message. Underneath your seats is a card. Why don't you pull that out real quick? A card, and there should be a, uh, a card with a stone on it. Grab that real quick. This morning as we close, I'm going to invite you to do a little bit of time of response. On, he, on this card are the similar kind of prompts that we're talking about up here to step into faith, step into service, step into community. I'm going to give you a minute, just a minute, to do whatever business you need to do with the Lord, to prayerfully respond to his invitation to your life, because the right invitation at the right time can change everything. The invitation today to all y'all, to each one of us, is to step into God's magnificent redemption story. There are pencils in the seat pockets in front of you or underneath your seats if you're in the front or on the way back. The stone attached to this is for you to take home. Like the, you can peel it off really easily, put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, put it on your drawer or your dresser or uh, on, your, on, your, on your kitchen seat as a reminder to step into that story. So that's for you. Totally optional. If you would like to fill this out and drop it off in the baskets on the way out, we will follow up with everyone who fills this out and gives us your name and email address. Give us your name, email address, check a box, and drop it in the baskets on the way out, and we will follow up with anyone and everyone. And all we're going to say is, how can we help? Not going to spam you, not going to stalk you, just how can we help? My friends, you are invited today into a redemption story that is changing lives all over the world. All kinds of baggage, all kinds of pain, all kinds of trauma. Right here, right now is your turn, your chance, your shot at redemption. I want to invite you to step into that story. Let me pray for us. I'm going to give you a minute to work with this card. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for writing this redemption story and inviting us into your life. And now I pray for my friends. We take just a minute to sit here with this card and with the invitation right in front of us to step into your story. I pray for the courage and the strength to make whatever decision we need to make. Take a moment with this card before the Lord and make whatever decision you need to make.
Lord Jesus, thank you for writing the redemption story only you could write. My prayer for each one of us is we would not miss our shot, our invitation to step into the redemption story. So come, Lord Jesus, would you help us to wrestle with these questions? Would you give us courage and faith to follow through on the steps that we are committed to right here, right now? Would your grace and your mercy meet us here in this moment? Would we be would we come alive and awake to the depth and the wonder of your magnificent redemption story, the resurrection power that you release into the world? The long nightmare is over and put back in its place. The king has come.